Thank you, Melanie. Isn't that wonderful? Just praise the Lord for that. I want to thank you uh, for being here today as well. I want to welcome you to Houston Baptist Church. We're going to be studying Acts uh, chapter 9. If you want to go ahead and begin turning there, I just want to say before we begin uh, that the most important thing you can do today, uh, the absolute most important thing you can do today is to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. for forgiveness and for salvation. The Bible is clear that we are uh, have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible is clear that the, the penalty for sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our, His Son. We know that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but might have eternal life. And today, I just want you to know that the person who believes is not and cannot be condemned. But that one who does not believe is condemned already. It's not something you're waiting on to happen. It's already occurred. And it is just of the utmost importance today that you place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope uh, that you have that testimony today. If you would stand with me, we're going to read about the first 16 verses of Acts chapter 9, and then we'll open in prayer and share with you what the Lord has given us this week. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said unto, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here... He hath authority from the chief priest, chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. 
But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I want to speak to you this morning on this idea of, Lord, what will you have me to do? And, uh, whereas last week we were looking at our need to read and heed the word of God, today I want us to consider intentionally our need for personal obedience in light of the revealed will of God. Would you go to the Lord with me in prayer? Ask him to speak to you today. Father, we love you this morning. Lord, we're so grateful for the spirit that is present among us. Lord, we're thankful for freedom and opportunity and space to come together, to open the word of God, to share its truths, to be led of the spirit. Lord, I pray today that you would speak Father, that you would edify, that you would encourage. And Lord, I pray that as we seek to understand this passage, that Lord, we would find application in our own personal walk. So that as we leave here today, we would leave more obediently than we came. And Father, I pray today that as we Consider knowing you, that Lord, we would also understand what it is to ask instruction and to await direction. Father, I pray you would speak in a special way. Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. As I've already stated, last week uh, we looked at uh, our need uh, to read and heed the Word of God. Uh, this week uh, is uh, meant to be a week of encouragement, uh, but the encouragement is this, that, that we would consider the need for personal obedience in light of the revealed will of God. We will uh, use the Apostle Paul as you've seen here this conversion experience as an example but i, I want to give you a disclaimer here this sermon uh, in days past uh, as a younger preacher i had a message that i used to preach to be like paul uh, that's not the goal of today's sermon uh, my my idea today as we look at the conversion experience of the apostle of the apostle paul is not to challenge you to be like paul or quite honestly, to be like anybody else. The challenge uh, today or the encouragement more appropriately is to know and then to obey the Lord Jesus Christ who loves you and died for you. In this passage, as we've stated, we're introduced to Saul of Tarsus. Uh, we could do other reading from Paul's own testimony, I've included some of those passages on your handout if you want to look at them. And what you would uh, determine and discover is that he was 
prior to this conversion experience, very committed to his purpose as a follower of Jehovah God. His intention was to end completely the Christian movement. He wanted to eradicate the way. He wanted to wipe that out. It was offensive to him. He was opposed to the New Testament church. He was opposed to the disciples. And he was literally opposed to the Christ and specifically Jesus as the Christ who resurrected and sent men to develop his church. That thought would be, uh, as I described earlier, sandpaper against an open womb with an alcohol drip for the Apostle Paul. He would, he would be uh, just contorted over that idea. And his intention was to do harm to the way. It's of the utmost importance, don't miss this, that we understand and comprehend that Saul believed he was acting on God's behalf. Uh, listen to Saul's testimony in Acts 22, uh, and, and I've included... Uh, these passages, but Acts 22 in the first four verses, the Apostle Paul uh, has been taken into custody. He is in the charge of the Romans and he requests a moment to speak to the mob that has just recently attacked him. And in that speaking, listen to what he says, uh, verses one through four, this is a summary. I'm a man zealous towards God as you are all this day as you all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding, and delivering into prison both men and women. So here, uh, a later in life, converted Apostle Paul is speaking to a group of Jews, and he says to them, look, uh, I, I'm like you. I was exactly like you, zealous towards God, and when I was zealous towards God, I persecuted the way, the Christian, that Christian movement, just the way you are today. Uh, I was a zealot for God exactly the way you are. And so what we understand is that while the Apostle Paul was, was stoning and, and lashing and carrying to prison men, women, boys and girls... He was doing that, he believed, under the direction of God. When we think about Saul of Tarsus, we are not thinking about a godless, heathen, infidel with a bad attitude. We are thinking about a soldier who is following the direct orders of a higher authority, believing that he has the blessings of God. He was zealous towards God, but wrong. I want you to think about that for a minute. Zealous towards God, but wrong. I wonder if we were to just step aside for a moment from the passage and think about that phrase, zealous towards God, but wrong. I wonder who all that describes today. 
Because my suspicion is that it describes a large number of people. When we meet the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, pardon the fumble, I'll do that a million times in this passage. When we meet Saul of Tarsus in this passage, he's on the warpath with bad intentions under the orders of the high priest, which is the highest earthly authority in his opinion and to his believing, bearing the blessings of God. Now, why would I bring all of that up? It's because I believe before we can get to a place of, Lord, what will you have me to do? We have to ask this first question. Before you can ask, what will you have me to do? You have to know who is asking. Underline bold, italicize, know who is asking. Here is Saul of Tarsus. He's, he's in route. He's doing what he's done all along. He's, he's very successful at it. He is very promoted because of it. He's going. And when the Lord speaks to him, the very first question that he asks is, Lord, who are you? When we, we think about Paul here, here is a, a devout man, a, a religious man, a man of conviction performing what he believed to be the things that were pleasing unto God and actions that he believed would endear him to God all the while truly hurting the heart of God. This, this doesn't go lightly. Listen to me. It would be very natural for us, and in fact, almost easy for us to take those thoughts, the idea of somebody being zealous for God, but wrong. We, we could take those thoughts and we could say, you know what? That's, that's the Mormons. That's like the Mormon church. Very zealous, but, but wrong. Or we could say, you know, something more uh, general in our area. It's like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Because they're zealous. I mean, the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses beating us nine ways to Sunday. And you talk about their form of evangelism and outreach wearing us out. They're zealous, but wrong. We, we could even say the same about uh, the Muslims. Or Islamist or Muslim, however you want to say it. And we could say the same about them because we could apply that. They're zealous, but they're wrong. It's interesting, though, in, in my mind for the last few days, that thought that the Holy Spirit is directed to a much more personal level. It is. I wonder how many well-being, or excuse me, well-meaning, albeit ignorant or uninformed Christians there are in the world or in the local church who are feverishly working and finding the approval of men and feeling as if they are blessed by God for their actions, all the while working at least across grain from Christ. And, and I want to direct that for you for a moment. And this may land in your lap. And if it is, uh, 
you know, I would say I want to apologize for that, but if it lands in your lap, I would just suggest you speaking to the Lord and getting it right. If, if you, if a person is responsible for doing anything counter the local assembly, they're cross-grained from Christ. If, if whatever you're doing in your life does not benefit the local assembly of believers, that is the body of Christ, which is the bride of Christ, which he died for, anything against the local assembly, you can be as zealous and as committed as you want to be, but you are working against the heart of God. The local assembly, the bride of Christ, the church, that's God's heart. It's a, it's a very serious question I've considered. I'm still considering it. And I wonder, who, who in here today, who, who in our own rank might be guilty of needs or desires that are contrary to what God would have if he were given a moment to speak directly into that life. It is the, the idea that Saul believed he was working for God, but when the Lord spoke, there, there was an immediate call to attention. There was the idea that as soon as God spoke, Saul began looking for instruction. Can I tell you something? It's not going to be in your outline. It's not in any of the notes that I produced. It's something I wrote in, in pen this morning. It is a proper thing to do when God speaks to you. It is a proper thing to do. Don't assume it is a proper thing to do to ask instruction. Lord, what would you have me to do? That you would, that you would stop whatever it is that you're doing. And say, okay, Lord, what would you have me to do? You know that, that passage in James that speaks about if you seek, you'll find? Well, if you ask, uh, my Bible supports the fact that he'll answer. Yes, sir. And so we, we have this idea of before you can ask, Lord, what will you have me to do? You have to know who is speaking. You have to know them personally, know him personally. We have this picture of the Apostle Paul. Look at verses 8 and 9. And, and so the Lord speaks. Paul says, wait a minute. Lord, who are you? He says, well, I'm Jesus. I, I'm the very one that you're fighting against. Okay, Lord, what would you have me to do? The instruction's pretty simple. Uh, it's just get up and go to Damascus and wait. What, what we see in verses 8 and 9 is, is that Saul arose from the earth. And when his eyes were open, he was blind. He couldn't see. Uh, and they led him by the hand, brought him into Damascus. He was three days without sight. Neither did he eat or drink. So, so here we have this, this individual, Saul of Tarsus. And what do we know about him? Well, we know this. He's a leader. He's a decision maker. He's a very decisive individual. He is an authority in his own right. And he is commissioned from a greater authority 
But here he is, he's stopped dead in his tracks, he's petrified, he's blinded, he's utterly shaken. This individual who has spent his entire life studying the prophets and the writings, being educated at the feet of Gamaliel, that just, that's Ivy League. He's educated by the wisest. He's risen through the ranks because of, because of his success, because of his education, because of family prominence. But, but here he is, suddenly... He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know who's speaking. And, and God's called him by name. And God's corrected his path. And God's available in that moment. And so Saul, this individual that we should have the, the utmost respect for, does exactly what he should do. Lord, what would you have me to do? Give me instruction. You know what? I thought about this uh, over the week. The, the, the instruction is so simple. Arise and go to Damascus and wait. That's, that's really what we're talking about here. Once you've asked the Lord what we have me to do, you've got to be willing to wait for an answer. Uh, my dad had a saying when I was growing up, don't run off half-cocked. The church is full of half-cocked Christians. And, and so Saul goes and waits. I'm confident that Saul would have rather heard more than go to Damascus and wait. If we think back over the life of Saul, it, you and I would probably, this is what we would want to hear. Well, man, this is your lucky day. Saul, uh, you are going to be great. Everyone's going to know your name. Uh, there's a new book coming out. It's called the New Testament. You're going to write two-thirds of it. Uh, listen, you're going to receive a revelation nobody's ever heard of. It's called the church and the church age. I'm going to give that to you. Uh, by the way, I'm going to show you heaven. Of course, you're going to earn that because you'll be stoned. Don't worry about it. You won't die. Uh, you're going to be beaten. You're going to be shipwrecked. You're going to be in prison. Eventually, big man, you're going to be beheaded. But don't worry about it. I got you. It's all for my glory. But that's not what Saul gets. He gets arise and go. And that's exactly what he does. Three days and no food, no water, no sight. I would interject the question right here. How, how often do we just wait on the Lord? Look, I'm not talking about We've all raised kids, right? I'm not talking about waiting on the Lord in a lazy, non-productive, excuse-making way. I'm talking about waiting on the Lord in, I just heard from the Lord and I really want to know what He's got to say, so I'm going to stay right here and wait kind of way. Because that's the example that is set for us here. I love the, the symbolism as well. Look, I'm not trying to start some new theology here. I just want you to know when the Bible records details, it does so for a purpose. Saul, Saul would have been around probably more than we know during the ministry of the Lord Jesus. So there's, there's a, a line of thinking out there. I don't exactly agree with it. It's fun to think about it sometimes. That says Saul was probably the rich young ruler that went away sad. 
And, and I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm just telling you he was around. We know he was there when Stephen was stoned. He was, he was part of the, the Pharisee group. He, he would have been extremely familiar because of his familiarity with the Old Testament. He would have been very familiar with Jonah and the story of Jonah and the well. He would have also known that, that Jesus said the way that Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the well, so shall the Son of Man be. He would have known that Jesus said, tear it down, I'll rebuild it in three days. He would have known that the rumor, that's what he would have called it, the rumor was that this man Jesus died and was buried and three days later rose again. And here the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, finds himself blind, alone, not eating and not drinking, kind of like a dead man for three days. I think that the picture of that is probably pretty powerful. I believe that, the, that Saul would have been well acquainted with those three days. He would have been well acquainted with what it means to lay the old man down and pick the new man up. He would have comprehended that. My, my question, I suppose, out of all of that is, how are you at waiting on a response of the Lord? Paul would say, Lord, what will you have me to do? And he would just sit and wait. When's the last time that you said, in sincerity, Lord, what will you have me to do? And then you just waited for an answer. Waited in that place that the Lord put you. We, we have a, another interesting picture here. Look at Verses 18 through 20, and we've already read it. So Ananias is sent. He lays hands on Paul. Scales fall from his eyes. Vision comes back. He eats a little bit. He's baptized. Meets with the disciples and starts preaching. Look at verses 18 through 20. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened and then was Paul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. We, we have this picture of, of Saul immediately obedient. I would say that, that this is the, the third picture that we see here. Having been instructed by the Lord, you must be welcome obedience be be uh, the idea is that that you accept it with pleasure the opportunity to comply wholly with the lord's commands that idea of welcome obedience that i want to be told by the lord what to do so that i can comply and here the apostle paul receives this sight he starts preaching <laughs> uh, listen it's a 180 degree message. Just, just days before, he was believing that Christ, the, the person Jesus, was not the Christ. He was not the Messiah. He was indeed dead. His body had been hidden somewhere. These people are heretics. 
sees the light, gets the information, converts completely to 180 degrees, Christ crucified and risen again. And he, we see this, this obedience. And as we said, uh, the point this morning is not that we do what Paul did or that we accomplish what Paul accomplished or that we suffer what Paul suffered, but that we obey the way Paul obeyed. That we receive the proper instruction of Christ with a welcome obedience and a desire to follow Him completely. Completely. And the question might would come, well, what happens when I do that, preacher? So, Let's just say for a minute, preacher, maybe, maybe I agree with you. Maybe I haven't asked the Lord what I should do. Maybe I haven't been completely compliant, totally obedient to that instruction that the Lord has given me. Uh, Maybe I haven't done that, but, but if I did, what's going to happen? And I want to show you in the life of Paul something I think is very important because we have a picture of the Apostle Paul all the way to the end. Uh, having been obedient to the Lord in this life, you'll find yourself worthy of acceptance. The Apostle Paul would go through his life and ministry and he is constantly striving for obedience. He would say, look, uh, if, I, if I live, it's Christ. If I die, it's gain. He, he would say, let this mind be in you that was in Christ, that you, that you be humble and that you be obedient even unto death. And, and he would model that in his ministry. And uh, stoned and he would get up and go back into the town and, and beaten and he would still share the gospel and, and shipwrecked and he would still say, men, brethren, stay together. And, and he would do those things that he should do. It was a constant striving and enduring difficulties. And he would say in Philippians, I count all of this stuff, but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And although this message is not a challenge to be like Paul in service, we do want to be like Paul in obedience and we want to inherit the same end as Paul. You remember the Lord Jesus teaching in Matthew 25 uh, where he shares that story of the talents and the, the answer is well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that becomes a clarion call for all believers that we want to hear well done, thou good and faithful servant. No matter what else, happens in life no matter how as everything ends when I stand before my Savior uh, the Lord Jesus Christ I want to hear him say well done thou good and faithful servant you took a little bit and you were faithful with it and I'm going to give you more because of it well done thou good and faithful servant Paul would describe for us in 2nd Corinthians he would describe for us in 2nd Corinthians what it's like to lay this body down and be absent from the body and present with the Lord and he would say to us that there's going to be a day 
He says in verse 9, we labor that when present, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema seat, that place of reward that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Preacher, what if I listen? What if I ask? What if I am obedient? Listen, we're all going to stand before Christ one day. And what we want is acceptance. And Paul said, we can stand there knowing. We can stand there knowing. Paul would go on and live his life. And we run into him one last time in 2 Timothy. And he's been obedient. He's been faithful and he's been compliant. And he says in 2 Timothy, I'm now ready to be offered. Paul, just a few days after writing this, would be beheaded. That ready to be offered describes pouring out a drink offer. And he said, I'm ready to go. Uh, the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And because of that, there is a crown of righteousness which the Lord shall give me. The Apostle Paul teaches us that you can serve wrong. But when you hear the voice of the Lord, you want to know Him. And when you know who's speaking, you need to ask instruction. Yes, and when you're given instruction, you need to be obedient. And if you're obedient, you'll find yourself acceptable. Would you stand with me this morning? Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. I would ask this question, don't you want that? Don't you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Well, look, it starts here. You got to know him. And you have to know him not only as your personal savior, but as the Lord of your life, because if he's not both, he's neither. He's the Lord of your life. Do you know him? Have you asked him for instruction? Have you waited? Have you been obedient to his command? The altar's open this morning and I believe it ought to be full. I believe we ought to be down here asking the Lord what will you have me to do? Father, I pray you'd bless this time of invitation. In Jesus' name. Would you come this morning?
here at your feet I lay my future down all of my dreams I give to you now I am free and I found peace Jesus Jesus at your feet Lord to dwell and never leave Jesus Jesus at your feet Lord to dwell and never leave there is no Jesus, Jesus, 